The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. She guts in her sleep. Hey, gang. Ahoy, ahoy. Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. Do we have a special one for you this week or what? I've got not one, but two of my favorite panelists on an episode. Mike Price, you know him, you'll love him. He did JFK, he did Fargo, he did Batman Returns, and Don Jameson sitting in as co-host. He did The Matrix, Die Hard, and Leaving Las Vegas. I love these two dudes. And Mike Price has come on to attack an absolute gem from the 90s, The Sandlot. Before we get into it, do not forget, please, leave us that five-star rating, two or three-sentence review. You know I love to post my favorites. They're great. Also, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com to advertise with us or, you know, just to say hello. Thank you so much for being a part of our little family every week for an hour or so. Without any more delay, here's Mike and Don, all of us hanging out talking about Sandlot. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah, it's trending right now. Yeah, that doesn't matter because we're good in the sacred cow. You're great. Great, great grandmother is part eggplant. Don Jameson, name that film. Uh, Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> Was that between the third or fourth? Uh huh. No, sir, that is not correct. Mike Price is back, our buddy, writer from The Simpsons, creator of Epics for Family. Mike, tell us, what film is that from? That is from True Romance. Yes, sir, it Spoken is. Spoken by Dennis Hopper. To yeah. Christopher Walken, yeah, while my- James Gandolfini, I think, kind of skulks around in the background. Yeah, yeah, that's a creepy role. Not as creepy as his role in Eight Millimeter, and that's a film that you can always watch with your pants around your ankles. That's for sure. <laughs> Kevin, <Why>? go- <laughs> you ever see? You ever see Eight Millimeter? No. no. Well. It's about snuff films and people getting stuck into the world of snuff films. Nicholas Cage, uh, Nicholas Cage in a role I don't think he had to do much research for, to be honest. But nonetheless, uh, and Gandolfini. That movie. To see if they have that. That yeah. movie reminds me a little bit of, or it's kind of like a uh, another version of another movie from the '70s or early '80s called Hardcore, starring George C. Scott. Have you ever seen that? I haven't even heard that, of that one. There's a, a great meme came out of that. That's the movie where George C. Scott plays a guy who's his runaway daughter like he lives in cleveland or something and the daughter runs away to la 
and he goes to find her and she ends up acting in uh in x-rated movies and so he goes to find her out there and uh, it's really terribly terribly awful but the meme that came out of it is the scene where he's in the movie theater george's guys in the movie theater and they start showing the movie that his daughter is in right and he's like this like oh oh no stop it make it stop make it stop so that's been used for other people now to play like clips from Let's say the Sandlot or the movie we're in, other movies we're going to talk about where you see George C. Scott like melting down over seeing something terrible. That would have made taken. That would that would make Taken Two a lot better if Liam Neeson's daughters run away runs away again and then decides <laughs> to start doing you know double penetration anal scenes and have that instead of just her you know or, or is whatever getting kidnapped again. Yeah. That, Little scamp. Yeah. Kevin Goatee, Don Jameson sitting in the co-host chair, and Mike Price. How's it going, fellas? We having a good time tonight, or what? I'm we a- are gonna, and I'm uh, honored to take uh, the Kevin Israel seat here. Yes, and, sir. Uh, yeah, we've about time you got rid of that dead. <laughs> <laughs> the film Mike Price has chosen tonight. Mike, I had no idea that it was going to get this much ire drawn for you because we taped two today i did one earlier today we did blade runner i thought that one was going to get more ire mike has chosen 1993's the sandlot this one caused a shit storm when we did our ask a gutter so mike was gracious enough to, to pop in here and there and, and answer some people back and yeah. forth but the the fans were not happy when i announced that and boy did they jump right in with with both feet <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean you know nostalgia is a crazy thing you know all these people probably were kids when that movie came out and they have fond memories of it but uh i wasn't and uh so <laughs> uh, i see it as with the clear eyes of an adult and uh it's not very good I hope Don can appreciate him being over my shoulder right here. <laughs> and that's me as Ham Porter, I decided. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. And then Don is, Don is uh, not even small. Don is, I believe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1993 budget of $7 million, a box office haul of $34.3 million. Turn that into 2022 money, $13.5 million budget, $66.2 million gross. Not not a bad ROI, fellas. Not a bad not one. Bad. Not too bad. I don't want to give away my feelings on this movie, but I already feel the ire <laughs> boiling up in me. <laughs> I can't just get a word yet. I'm, 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 I'm goddamn Irish right now. <laughs> Two guys. I've taken on the big dogs before, so I do respect someone who picks a film that's really hard to tear apart. So I'm looking forward to this. Mike, just as a background for you, Don had that, and he's right. He had the balls to come on, and his first film he tried to attack, Die Hard. Whoa. What was his, wow. fo- what was his follow-up? The Matrix. Wow. And then he and then he went out with a fizzle and did Leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, what's next? Citizen Kane? We Jesus already did. Christ. Yeah, no, Joanne Nozachinsky did Citizen Kane oh, on this okay. podcast. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> uh imdb fellas as we all know is a scale one through ten with decimal points mike price what do you think the sandlot scored on the imdb scale boy that's that's a combination of that's just people who just are not like critics aggregates right? a- it's i'd say aggregate. like 7.8 don jameson 
I'm going to go higher on that. I'm feeling I'm feeling an 8.3. One of you is dead nuts on and the winner of both showcases and a quick grab of the ass by Bob Barker. And that person is Mike Price, 7.8. Oh, wow. On the that? nose, dead on. And I did not look it up. I am, I, you're a man of your honor and your word. A Rotten Tomatoes, of course, is a scale 1 through 100 percentage points, of course. Don Jameson, what did the critics give The Sandlot? Well, let's go with the same numbers with the eight and the three, and we'll say 83%. From the critics, 83. Mike Price, uh, what did the critics say? Boy, you know, it's weird because Rotten Tomato will be like, it sucks, but it's it's okay too. You know, you know, you don't know which if that is a fresh or a splatty tomato. So I'm gonna say <laughs> a little bit lower though. I'm gonna say like 67. Ooh, Ooh low. And close enough, 64%. Not bad. I thought, wow. Yeah. Audience Rotten Tomatoes score, Mike Price. That's higher. Give me a number. That's going to be like 84. Don Jameson. Oh, he's trying to outbid me here. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go. All right. I'm going uh, 85, Bob. Oh, you one dollared him, you son of a bitch. And it worked. 89%. 89%. Oh, yeah, yeah, see? Uh-oh. I'm, I am waiting into some trouble here. Quotes, the obvious, the painfully ubiquitous, you're killing me smalls. And the other one that jumped out at me, going to be a short game here, guys. I'm going to, and I got to get home for lunch. Ham Porter. Such a, such a classic line. Yep. Rarely oh, utilized. you great ra- dialogue. <laughs> that is like right up there. Rarely used, and it sounds like for good reason, according to Mike Price already. I was right up there with you can handle the truth and uh, you had me at hello and all those great lines. Or uh, Canyon Arrow from The Simpsons, if you. (laughs) I'll make Simpson references all day with you, pal. You know that. Okay. How about yourself, Mike? What quotes jumped out at you? That you pretty much did it. That's it. Uh, You're killing me smalls. And uh, boy, that's part of what I'm going to talk about in a few minutes is that I think it's atrociously written and terribly hacky and, and not, not much to recommend it. So I can't think of anything else that Don, leaps out. Don Jameson, how about you? Any quotes? I, I like, you know, the um, I like the old school, like insults and stuff they use. Like, I guess maybe this is no, I mean, we've had nerd in in our, our lexicon for, for a long time. But they, you know, to describe um, to describe Scotty Smalls, they call him his mom called him an egghead. Mm hmm. I like that. Uh, uh, the other kid called him a square. I like those old timey, you know, yeah. insults back then. You don't hear anybody call anybody an egghead anymore. No. Well, actually, I remember one thing because I was I was going back and forth with somebody on Twitter, and this person said the the scene where they or uh, Porter teaches Smalls how to make s'mores was a classic scene. I was like, that's pretty good. But the, he calls him a mallow. I was like, it's a marshmallow, but he calls it a mallow. So I was like, all right, that's at least different. I have a note on that, but we'll get to that later. Okay. <laughs> Five fun facts. Surprise, this film is partly autobiographical. It was inspired by a childhood experience by a co-writer, director, David Mickey Evans' brother had. Some older boys wouldn't let Evans play baseball with them. When they lost the ball over a brick wall, he thought he, he could get on their good side by retrieving it for them. When he hopped the wall, he found a giant dog named Hercules. And was bitten by him. Oh. 
The chewing tobacco from carnival scene was really made out of licorice and bacon bits, and that, the actors later said, combined with riding the carnival rides for so many takes, made them as sick as their fictional counterparts got. The vomit from that scene, by the way, was a mixture of split pea soup, baked beans, oatmeal, water, and gelatin. And I'm also surprised not to see Dodger dogs thrown in the mix there as well. Because I hear they're horrible. Made out of lips and assholes. No, they're okay. During the filming of the chase scene, temperatures rose so high that Tom Geary became so overheated that he fainted and fell into a cameraman. Geary said he didn't know that he was going down. He also said, but it was like 105 degrees and not that humid, so you really don't feel it right away, but you heat up pretty quickly, especially when you're running around in 1960s clothes. <laughs> That's some Woodward and Bernstein journalism I'm on here, fellas. Just want to <laughs> tip my cap. <laughs> Number four, James Earl Jones, of course, a plays a baseball enthusiast in Field of Dreams as well as this. However, in real life, he hates baseball. The late Art LaFleur also starred in the film also. I don't know why that was part of that five fun facts, but it was. So he hates oh. baseball. He's in a film about it. You know what he hated early on in life too, James Earl Jones? Braces, because he has a big old bridge between his teeth in the boxing <laughs> film it was that escapes me. And he also hates, hates members of the Rebel Alliance. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> you are a traitor. <laughs> Director David Mickey Evans had one clear instruction for Chauncey Leopardi. Not enough kids these days named Chauncey, especially during this anti-bullying. This would be the safe time for them to be named Chauncey. <laughs> Direction given during the pool scene when he kisses Wendy Peppercorn, quote, keep your tongue in your mouth. <laughs> but your but your hands can roam freely so cop a feel or grab it like a bowling ball i guess was okay to do i guess not and now it's time for mike price to open himself up like he did today on twitter in ask a gutter at Nemorowski, since the 1980 since 1986 the mets have won the division three times appeared in the playoffs six and have lost the world mm. series twice what will hurt you more your failure to gut sandlot or the Mets' inevitable and likely embarrassing collapse later this season? Well, it, this guy thinks that he's going to get me by saying, oh, the Mets don't win all the time. That's that's part of being a Mets fan, is knowing that and, and just owning it. So when the Mets collapse, and they're in the middle of collapsing against the Braves right now, <laughs> although they're, they're, they're uh, thankfully in a rain delay, uh, that'll be worse, of course, than just you know my ability to, to, tell, to convince you that your movie, your favorite movie, isn't any good. I like how you said the Mets win all the time. Mike, the Mets don't win ever. Stop it. <laughs> In the last 35 years plus. I feel your pain. I, I, I've been collapsing with the Mets for 40 years now. So yeah. Yeah. this season will come down to a, a one-off one playoff game that we'll lose, you know, after we were up 13 games. I have no doubt. You guys yeah. act like this is indentured servitude. You know you're allowed to leave and become like fans of the Rockies, no, the Rockies no. or the Mariners or no, somebody else. <laughs> well, I live in Los Angeles where like this juggernaut wins every year, but it's like I will never root for the Dodgers. So. Well, yeah, but they, they won once, Mike. They have a, they won once and they well, won back in '88. Right? They win. They They're win their division every year. That's yeah, true. they do. They're in the right. playoffs all the time. Okay. Next question. Per the Sandlot chewing tobacco scene, what's the dumbest thing you and your friends did as kids as since statues of statute of limitations have expired and coming from this, they called it a movie. TCTAM pod wants to know the dumbest thing you guys uh, have done. Well, that's a good question. Oh, you want to go first on? No, 
I'll go first. <laughs> the dumbest thing we ever did, and I, I immortalized it a little bit in Efforts for Family, was that they were they were building a new housing development, like the next street over. And we all ran in there when we were kids and in the unfinished house and played around in it, like in the wooden framed house, and we're fooling around with it and uh exposing ourselves to like stepping on nails and one kid stepped on a nail but then when we all ran upstairs and there was a bathtub that was the bathtub was there but nothing else was there and there was a pipe down there and we all peed into the bathtub <laughs> to see if the pee would come down in the, the lower floor and it did yeah gravity don jameson yeah. what have you done that's well, well around their age you think is that what you're is that the question as, as, as kids how old were those kids supposed to be in that movie? They're like 10 or 11, 12, I'd say. Uh, yeah, 12, 12, maybe. Yeah. 13. Well, one time uh, around Christmas, my cousin and I went around and, and removed all the bulbs from the trees in the neighborhood, you know, what people have outside on their lawn. Right. And we removed all the bulbs. And somehow we got ratted out. And my uncle was like, uh, did you guys do that? And we're like, no, not at all. And then almost like on cue, like out of a movie, he opened the closet door and they all. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing missing was a Griswold Blackhawks uh, hockey sweater while you were in that. That's funny. Uh, we took it. Uh, I forgot which one of us. I, I didn't. Someone took a shit in a mailbox and someone, of course, dimed them out because there's an asshole on the block who never gave good Halloween candy. <laughs> And that's what happened, and we all got in trouble. I didn't do it, but I was there, so I guess I was guilty by association. But that always stands out to me. Next yeah. question. If Mike Price, from of course, from at Newark Knight, Brandon Oglesby. If you could reboot Sandlot, what, deca what decade would you choose and famous baseball players or memorabilia would you put at the center of the movie? Ah, yes. Well, I did answer this earlier on Twitter, but I'll put it here for all the viewers and listeners. It would be around the early to mid 90s. It would be in Oakland. Uh, and uh, the the piece of memorabilia would be the bat that Bert Campanaris, the shortstop, threw. He, he literally threw a bat at this guy in the Tigers in the 1972 ALCS. He literally threw a bat at him because he got hit by a pitch. So it'd be that bat. And Smalls would grow up to be the director of Black Panther, Ryan Coogler. <laughs> and ironically, I was at the Piazza Clemens regular season game and game uh, two of the and game two of the World Series. That's funny. I would choose my plot. I don't give a shit about the plot or what time. I would just choose the memorabilia piece, the Billy Ripkin fuck face on the bottom of the bat <laughs> as a memorabilia being stolen because that was that, uh, that was a joy. 19, 1988 Leaf card, if uh, memory serves me correctly. How about you, Don? What do you have? Oh, well, for, you know, bringing back the, Met, the Mets fandom again, it'd have to be 1986 because that's our last great moment as Mets fans. So it would take place in the year the Mets won the World Series. And, um, of course, the mid-80s, of course, for me, I still listen to all those bands from the mid-80s. So we'd have a heavy metal soundtrack. One of the kids, at least one of the kids would have a mullet. It would be set here <laughs> in Jersey. It would be awesome. That sounds good. I can see the kid, the ginger from Terminator 2 that Edward Furlong was playing video games with. That kid starring, or at least a secondary character role in that, in that scenario. The guy from yeah. Hey, Dude, hey Dude or whatever that show was on Nickelodeon. Next question. Uh, oh, fuck, I clicked away from it. One second. Here we go. Uh, who is the best boy in the Sandlot and why is he Benny Rodriguez? Well, yeah, and he's certainly the best actor, uh, although I would say close second is uh, Porter. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the rest of them are just the worst kid actors I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> there's a there's a reason why none of them have gone on to great career. Like you pick other movies with kid movies, like at least one kid went on to do something. Like none of them are doing anything right now. So uh, so Benny is pretty good. He's a good actor, and the other kid Porter was pretty good too. Fun fact: he, number, oh, Sorry, John. Sorry, Don. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. See, Mike is so angry. He can't he can't see through his cloud of hate to realize that Squint is the best one. He's in the, the worst. He he's the worst kid in the movie. Oh, my God. He oh, he's the worst. drowning so he can make out and cop a feel from Wendy. That's Pop. what the character did. But what the actor didn't do anything yeah. with it, except like sit there and go, oh, anyway. Fun fact number six. I actually know the guy who played Smalls. I know his brother, and I knew him when the, when the film came out. He went on to make great cinematic classics as the Lassie reboot that came out in 1994 to zero box office success. And uh, that's pretty much it. He hangs at a local bar back in the in the hometown area and uh, does some other guest spots on TV. But that was the extent. Oh, he's had a few other bit parts in films, but nothing to this level. Another fun fact, I was at uh, I went to a Miami Marlins game down in Miami and they were playing the Phillies right before the All-Star game like four years ago. Go down there. I said, you know, give me the best seat in the house. You know, 80 bucks. I'm sitting four rows from the field. I sat back at the dugout. I'm a huge Don Mattingly fan, being a Yankee fan. Yelled at me, tipped his hat, waved to me. I took a picture, and I still have a boner from that. Funny part is, I watched on the plane four years ago, on the way down there, Sandlot. Who happens to be throwing up the first pitch that game? Three of the, uh, three or four of the kids from the Sandlot were there. And I have a Ham Porter bobblehead doll, one of the few bobbleheads I actually kept from all those bo- those those giveaways. I should probably go get it and show it to everybody, whatever. But yeah, uh, small, whatever, fun facts. Next, at Carly Kingsley, the Sandlot is a national gem. And Mike already writes, agree to disagree. So he's getting already snippy, as the uh, as old folks say online. I thought this question took the cake. At Lord Snurts, Sandlot kids versus Goonies kids. Who wins in a WWE-style wrestling match? Ooh. Well, uh, yeah, I'll just say this. Among the Goonie kids, I'm just saying the actors, the, the Goonie actors, most of them, one of them became Thanos, Josh Brolin. Yeah. One of them, Sean Astin, defeated Sauron and helped defeat the uh, Down Under, <laughs> the Upside Down and Stranger Things. The third one, Kihu Kwan, became was short round before before he was a goonie yeah. and now is like defeating the whole world and everything everywhere all at once so all those guys became massive world world beating you know badasses and again no one from the sandlot really did anything except throughout the first pitch at a, a marlins game <laughs> at a, at a marlins. <laughs> don't forget carrie green was in lucas don't forget to give her her due okay what a terrible film that is by the way <laughs> it is awful and we got a ton of these and I have to ask, but I and I kind of put a cap on it because I knew we'd be getting bombarded with them. But the obligatory, hey Mike, who hurt you? <laughs> Nobody hurt me. I had a very happy childhood. If I have a very happy life, I just, uh, you know, I have an opinion about a movie, but no one hurt me. No one hurt me. Uh, after about four of them, I go, okay, I'll ask him that. So don't ask any more. I will <laughs> promise you, it's coming. That's a famous one. Uh, that's for sure. I'm sure. By the way, my money would be on the Sandlot kids to beat the Goonies kids. First of all, they have bats, so they have weaponry. <laughs> and they tamed the beast. <laughs> they ran away from the beast. All they did was run until the beast got tired. 
Oh, we'll that was that. his. That was his. <laughs> that was the plan. It was a part of the master plan. All right. I, I'm I'm with you, Mike Price. Not only was Josh Brolin Thanos, he was fucking Cable in Deadpool two. Exactly who right. Could, who could who goes back in and time? He, who does shit like exactly. that? Exactly, and he almost he almost beat uh, Anton Sugar. So I yeah. mean, give him give him some points for that. I sure shall. And of course, don't forget uh, Kihu Kwan, who had Jane Bond 007 slick shoes. I mean, are we not going to give full credit for those genius little gadgetry? Of course we are. That's right. Listen, and remember, the Sandlot guys, well, two of them grew up to be architects and discovered and designed, excuse me, the mini mall. So I'm going with the Goonies kids all the way. Yeah. And now no I, I I can't I can't figure out figure out a better time to let Mike Price jump in and do what he's come to do. And that of course is Gut the <laughs> Sacred Cow. Thank you. Well, I'll just uh, as uh, as is my one, I'll be a little scattershot and just sort of say I have notes that I wrote down when I watched it again. Uh first of all, to me it's terrible movie in three different ways. It's a terrible like kids nostalgia movie it's just a terrible movie acting and writing and directing in every way and it's a terrible baseball movie so i'll try to do one thing at a time uh as a nostalgia type movie like you said it's based on this guy the writer director sort of but semi-autobiographical so it's like set in 1962 and i looked i looked him up and that guy was born in 1962 so first of all it's not re- accurate to anything that he remembers. He's it's a fake nostalgia. It sort of seems to me based on like they said, Oh man, you know, what was good. Stand by me. That was good. Let's make a movie like stand by me, except, except instead of uh, dead bodies, they're chasing baseballs. And it's also based a little bit on like, well, you know, also was a great movie about kids and a guy narrating his, his, uh, his story later, a Christmas story. Let's make it like that. Those movies are really good because the Stephen King, Stand By Me is based on like Stephen King's memory, probably of being a kid, like authentic memories of what it was like. A Christmas Story based on Gene Shepard, his authentic memories. This to me seems just made up and, and fake. And it, it's like a, a total, just like the whole cliche of it all, like the milkman walking down the street and the 55 Chevys and the music cues, the lion sleeps the night. Like it's every possible hack cliche thing of all time. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, so that's where it's bad in the nostalgia way. Um, and also those other movies, like we said before, Goonies, Stand By Me, are just full of, this is the movie part, are full of amazing young actors who went on to amazing careers. Look at Stand By Me. It was like Corey Feldman. It was Will Wheaton. It was Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, it was uh, Jerry O'Connell. You know, it was like all these guys went on to have pretty productive, great careers. Uh, the Goonies, we already talked about. Uh, this is nothing, you know, and like the characters are so badly drawn. Like all you can say is like, there's the, there's the chubby kid, you know, who says you're killing me smalls, you know? And like, but he's even a pale comparison to one of the other great movies, the greatest baseball kid movie of all time, a bad news bears where every Mm. single character in that movie is super delineated, super precise. You know who these people are. They're real. This looks just, just like, just like, a churned out kind of piece of like a, from a Play-Doh fun factory, you know, and there's like, there's like the kid who's kind of fat. There's the kid who with the big glasses squints, you know, who just is, you know, hot for the, the, the lifeguard. And then there's the two kids and the one kid repeats what the first kid said. Then there's the kid, you know, whatever. It's just, it's just to me, it's like, and again, I, I always preface this by saying 
I've never written a I've never written or directed a feature film. So God bless David Mickey Evans for writing and directing a feature film, and it's a huge success. It made a lot of money for him, and they spawned some some sequels. Good for him, but for me, it just <laughs> doesn't work. Uh, and as far as other things is concerned, like even that that's that same the the uh, um, the premise of it, like being the narrator looking back. Like again, I'm going to compare it to far superior movies of, of the same type okay the um stand by me right narrated by richard dreyfus fantastic voice actor fantastic actor who did an amazing job uh a christmas story narrated by the author himself gene shepherd who is an amazing radio guy and an amazing personality this movie narrated by the guy who wrote and directed it. And his narration is so dull, <laughs> so terrible. It's so awful. It's so badly written and badly performed. Maybe if you had a more interesting actor perform it, it would have sounded better. But this guy is just like, it's like nothing, you know? And all he says is like, and that's when I got into the biggest pickle I ever got into. He says that seven times, I think, in the movie. Or it's like, this was the worst thing that ever happened. It's just so, I can't even tell you how bad it is. Um you're about Moving to, on. I bet. No, it's bad. It's just really, really bad. Uh, like I said, in terms of the cast, the only kid, the only two kids who are barely interesting are are Benny and Porter. The main kid, uh, Smalls, he's just not a very good actor. And I'm, I know you ran into him back in your hometown. I hope yeah. he's doing well now. He's just not a very interesting actor. He's not a very interesting character, you know, and he's such a you, you feel bad for him. He's such a wimp and such a weak, weak kid. And and you've got this amazing cast. They cast all these other amazing people around them that are utterly wasted. I would say, I'll get to James Earl Jones at the end. But like you've got, his mom is Karen Allen, who's unbelievably great in everything she's in. And in this, she's just like, oh, honey, are you okay? That's all Well, hold on. Point, point of contention. Indiana Jones 4, a glorious oh, piece okay. of shit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll give, we'll give you that. But around that time she had been in Indiana Jones, she had been in Starman, she had been in animal house. She had been in so many amazing things and all she gets, and she's amazingly talented and interesting and, and fierce and tough. And literally in this movie, she's just like, Oh honey, here's a glass of milk. That's all she gets to do. And then you have Dennis Leary, who's like a really, really funny comedian who was mm -hmm. known for being abrasive. And at that time he was starting to break out and being a lot of movies. And then this, he's just like, Hey kid, you want to play catch? Okay. Like he has nothing to do. And he's being set up as this guy who's going to beat the kid's ass. He just, he looks like they're all look like they're just kind of like phoned it in, like, you know, just sort of completely just phoned it in. And you're, exactly, you you're, exactly, you're, saying, you're exactly right. I was waiting for Dennis Leary at any time to whip his belt off and just whip the, <laughs> and just whip the kid for looking at his memorabilia side-eyed. Right. Or at least like, you know, smoke a cigarette and like flick it in. Flick in his eye. <laughs> Like he didn't want to teach him to, to play catch. He wanted to teach him how to smoke properly. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. You call that a uh, throw, you pussy. Go get me a beer, lady girl. <laughs> uh, and then you have the amazing, great James Earl Jones, who, like, they hold him off to the very end of the movie. And he's always good. He's always good. It's so funny you said that he hates baseball. It's hilarious because he's known for that and for, of course, the Field of Dreams. Like, that's probably, if you don't know him from Star Wars, you know him from Field of Dreams. It's so funny that he hates baseball. But, He's 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 fine, but he's kind of wasted as well. And then I'm going to now slide into the baseball part of it. Like 
they completely skate over. He talks about how he was Babe Ruth's friend and that he knew the Babe and he played with him, but there's no way he could have ever played with him because there was a color line in baseball at the time. So they never talk about that. They never talk about how this, you know, and then he's blind because he got hit with a baseball. <laughs> it's, it's so terrible. He's so bad. Uh, Who is he? Herb score, the black Herb score. <laughs> he's to- or he's Tony Canigliario. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Herb score was killed, right? Was he killed by a, a- a, a beam I, no, I don't know if he was killed, but I know he lost his eyes. I know he got blasted right. in the eye. I don't know if he there died was a, or not. There was oh, a player oh, who was killed by a, by a beam ball, like in the 1930s or so. From the um, end, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Tony Conigliari of the Red Sox, like, had his his, uh, his career was ruined by a beam ball. Anyway, then we get into the baseball part, which, again, it's like this kid doesn't know who Babe Ruth is. Just ask somebody. <laughs> like, the whole thing stems on him. Seeing a baseball that Dennis Leary has, like, this amazing baseball that he's like, nobody touch it. And it says Babe Ruth on it. What he thinks, Oh, I can just grab that. It's nobody. It's somebody named baby. Ru- it's, it's just strains all credulity. It, it just makes no sense. And then the actual baseball itself playing is, is terrible. It's bad. And then the whole thing that really kills me is that the sandlot itself, uh, the way it's laid out is a ballpark. And they, they try to hide this in the filming of it is that the thing that happens, they keep hitting these balls like over the fence into the into the, the dog's yard, which is like the deepest part of the field. Like, I don't know, like like 300 feet or something like that. But if you look at it, just take a look at it. You'll see like the right field of the thing is like 50 feet. Like, yeah. It's in this weird rectangle that like there may, there's been, like thousands of balls probably got hit in the guy's house on the right field fence. Like the, no one, they never mentioned that. Um, or, or you could just reverse the field of play and hit the ball the other way. Yeah, I would just be like, I'd learn to be a switch hitter, learn to be a left-hander and like yeah. hit a million home runs. They never talk about that. Um, and lastly, the- oh, sorry, go ahead, Don. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, they, they didn't have the shift back then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's And he went on to invent the shift. That's what they find at the end. Uh, and, and mini balls. <laughs> and mini balls. And the last thing is that, um, oh, so then the big thing is it all turns around. This is going back a little bit to the, the movie making of it all, too, is that there's always like plots, things that are set up that never get paid off. So the whole thing about, about Squints, like going after the, the lifeguard girl is funny in itself, but that's completely dropped at the end. They go, oh, he married her. Like that's covered in like a line, you know. Then they set up this whole like, team of like the, 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 the snooty guy, the snooty guys show up in their nice uniforms, you know, and the, you think you kept thinking like, oh, that's going to be the big game at the end of the movie. No, they're forgotten. Like it's all about the whole rest of the movie is just this endless, endless thing where they're trying to get the ball out of the dog's yard. And then and then like and then every single shot, here's where it's poorly directed and poorly acted is like I'd say there's probably like 38 moments where all nine kids go ah, at the same time. Like that's the extent of it. Like the ball gets dropped, the dog grabs it. Ah. All the kids act at the same time. They're all like in a big clump. They're all running around. Like there's no delineation. Um, and then finally, the big thing is that at the end, you know, Benny outruns this dog. Fine. That makes him like turn into a major league ball player on the Dodgers now. <laughs> And and then at the end, and like Smalls grows up to be Arliss Howard, another great actor who's, you know, completely wasted as his friend who's now he's now Vince Scully or whatever. He's the announcer for the Dodgers. And the big thing is that he steals home. And if you watch it, you'll see like the steal of home, which in reality, if you watch baseball, a steal of home takes about a second and a half to happen. Mm -hmm. Like he steals home. But this is like he's stealing home. It takes like 39 seconds for him to steal home. It's just 
Oh, it's all just the Zapruder film was shorter than this, right, Mike? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And much more interesting and much better acting in that movie, too. Um, anyway, that's enough. I think I said enough, but uh, I, I have contempt for this movie in, in many, many different areas. Give me a number one to ten. Uh, I'd say a three. Oof. Okay. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Not as much hatred as Don had for The Matrix and Die Hard, but still hated it nonetheless. <laughs> Don James and my co-host, why don't you go uh, and bat Jeter, number two? Well, um, the most offensive thing that Mike said was uh, when he used the word credulity. Because <laughs> I didn't think I was going to have to look that word up on my iPhone as you were speaking. Um, I don't mind if you use multisyllabic words, but like try to dumb it down a little bit. You know, I'm a Jersey lowlife, as my shirt says. So, uh, I gotta say, I, they're I, all there. There are three Jersey lowlifes yeah, on this for, podcast. All Jersey lowlifes. Oh, okay. Um, I, I did agree with some of the stuff uh, Mike said, though. I, I agree that the the, uh, the narration is really boring. You know, um, that's probably my biggest complaint. Like the first third of the movie moves really slowly. Um, so I'm with him on that. And yes, the parents, like when I'm watching that, like I identified with so much stuff in that film, which is why I really liked it. But the thing with the, the his home life, there was no love whatsoever in that home. That was the saddest upbringing I've ever yeah. seen <laughs> in my life. You know, the, they have no emotion whatsoever. You know, I listen, and you know, you're right, Karen Allen, great actress, so that gets wasted. Um, you know, Dennis Leary, obviously, he's gone on to you know get uh, you know hotter leading ladies later in his career as he got more famous. But he does nothing with this role. And yeah, I would have loved if he would have said, "Listen, forget the the catch. Let's go smack smoke a pack of Marlboros and don't tell your mother." That would have been there would have at least been something <laughs> there that I could identify with. You're, you're both so, so right. You're both so right because she goes, "Now you know your dad doesn't like you in his room." Like she's such a Stepford wife and robotic. Yeah. You boys yeah, hit that in the head. Yeah, she sucked. Maybe instead of the baseball, the kid could have on that thing could have been Bill Hicks. Uh, jokes. Dennis Leary can teach him out. This son, this is how you write a joke about having a voice box. Go. <laughs> um, yeah. The uh, well, here's and the thing. I agree with you in part about the um, what was it? The Tigers, the the kid team that was a little more pro. Yeah. The forms right, but then Mike, I mean, answer me this. Like, I get it. I wish there was something more with that. 
But if they if this team would have come in and then of course they you know beat the living daylights out of the Sandlot kids and then at the end of the movie the Sandlot kids against all odds beat them that's a million times more hacky than what that's happened. That's true. True that. True that. Okay. They could have played him again in the end and lost to them this time and really throw a fucking curveball in there. Right. Yeah. Or um, in like the Bad News Bears, though. Like they, they lost. They, come, they lost, but they, they still won. They lost because they were. Uh, oh, that'd be so much better. And then Dennis. And, and then Dennis Leary, just like in the Bad News Bears, would come out and slap his son, the pitcher, right in the face in front of everybody. Yeah. And then some kid. That kid, good. Yeah, and then some kid, and they'd have a racist shortstop out there to boot, really spruce things up, spruce things up a little bit. Danner. Um, and as far as the as far as the 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 types of characters in the movie, I disagree with Mike. I, yes, I get it. You got you got the fat kid, you got the black kid. Which, by the way, you could see they made his skin lighter in the poster there, and they totally whitewashed Ham's freckles, which is yeah. very offensive. Maybe. Yeah. Come on. Um, you know, that's freckle shaming right there. And I don't put up with that kind of thing. But, um, but that's, that was the, always the group of kids that I hung out with. There was there was the nerdy kid. There was the fat kid for a while. That was me um, growing up. So I identify with that. And then you have, you know, so I thought it was a, I thought it was actually a good mix. Obviously, Mike doesn't believe in equity, but, you know, that's, <laughs> we're gonna get by the end of this podcast. So. <laughs> Well, um, I think that, like, yeah, you're right, but there's just no, there's just no specificity in the character. They're all just like cardboard, two dimensional characters. That's my, that's my view. Yeah, but then you could say about the bad news bears, like, you know, that that kid Kelly smoking when he was like 12 years old. Nobody smoked when I was growing up when they were 12 years old, and they certainly wouldn't have been allowed, you know, in, in front of adults <laughs> and, and other people. Yeah. But, but, but I agree with you, bad news bears. <laughs> So far superior to this beyond belief. So right, that, yeah. there's no dispute of that. Um, the, you know, the outrunning the dog thing. Look, you got to suspend belief in, in movie. You know, that to me was like, that was like the Ronin car chase scene. <laughs> in baseball movies. You know, it, it just went on forever and ever. Um, Let's say the, uh, the other cornball hackiest thing of all time, the guys with the big cake. Uh, the little chef, they're in the chef hats. I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Brady Bunch now? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But meanwhile, Will Ferrell's still making movies where, you know, a kid hits a tennis ball and it hits him in the nuts and he goes. That's true. Very, and that, there's nothing more hacky than that. So, um, so, yeah, no, it's a sight gag and I get it. Or the, or the old, um, you know, the old, the person's naked, but they keep. You know, the Pe Peter Sellers did it the best, obviously, where mm -hmm. he kept, you know, you know, get in front of something so you wouldn't see his his privates. But, um, yeah, you know, I give you that one, too. Um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, um, I guess that's about all I have. So I do uh, I do agree with some stuff. Definitely disagree with others. Give me a number, Don Jameson, one to ten. Okay. Um, oh, you know, here's the other thing that I identified with with these kids because I, I think Mike Mike's not identifying with these characters. Um, you know, and I I'm sure I'm guessing we all played little league in, in school. Oh yeah. And to me, like all that stuff, the insult 
thing against the the the, uh, the Tigers when the other team came in and him and Ham Porter were going back and forth. Like we did that all the time, you know. Like I was waiting for Nick Cannon to come out and Wild and Out was going to start, you know. At that point, <laughs> no, 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 that- no, no, too many white people. That would not have happened. Right. There was uh, I just but I, I really I identify with that because that's what you did back then. You know, you you know, you broke each other's balls and all that stuff. So I like that. I'm going to give it, you know, if I didn't have to watch this for this podcast, I, I, I may have not got through the whole thing. So I'm not going to say it's it's a, a an eight or a nine or a ten. But yeah, but I give it a give it a solid. I give it a seven. I'll give it Whoa. a seven. Right. I'm surprised you and you touched on it right now, Don. The when the when they're going the names back and forth, he goes, "You throw like a girl," and ended on that one. <laughs> yeah, we all did it as kids. It's like eh, that's we're gonna stop right there. Is all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, these notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com, where you can pick up some sweet ass merch, shirts, hats, mugs, you name it. We've got it. Guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. If you want to drop a note and say hi, or if you want to advertise with us, notes. It's hard recognizing Dennis Leary without a cigarette and uh, stealing Bill Hicks' act for about an hour and 45 minutes in this film. That's what I noticed. <laughs> but I still, no cure for cancer. I don't give a shit. That's one of my top 10, top maybe even top five comedy albums of all time. I love sure. no cure for cancer. Smalls wearing that oversized duckbill hat is like Asians wearing the underground poker dealer visor. <laughs> Smalls throwing the ball is like Mike Piazza trying to throw out a rudder stealing second base. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whoa. Zing. Kind of like Roger Clemens throwing a bat at Mike Piazza. Yeah, but he, yeah. Reached, but he reached Mike Piazza, unlike Mike Piazza reaching second base. <laughs> <laughs> Ham Porter is a precocious entertaining for a ginger. As an adult, he must be the annoying ginger in the office who ends jokes with, that's what she said. <laughs> The ironic part of the gang calling Smalls a dork are uh, one third of that gang are bigger dorks than Smalls. The two <laughs> twins, the goofy Bertram. Are you, if I'm there, go. Are you serious? You're gonna shit on me, you fucking twigs? I can come kick you in the nuts right now. <laughs> Why did Benny spit on the ball before hitting it to Smalls? That kid can't handle any kind of movement on a ball whatsoever. That thing would be zigging and zagging and twirling around. Why would you spit on it first? <laughs> Unless the ball was a metaphor for his cock and he's about to have anal sex. Okay, too much. <laughs> Delete. One, one, one catch that Smalls makes, and then he's all right, according to the gang. That is like calling Marcus Timms the greatest baseball hitter ever because in his first at bat, he hit a grand slam off of Randy Johnson. <laughs> Benny is like the Boy Scouts without the molestations. That guy carries a spare glove and a spare hat at all yeah. times. The most prepared guy I've ever seen playing ball. Uh, must be must be nice being friends with a prop master. What can we say? I'm surprised none of you, you know, did a little bit deeper, digger deep, deeper digging than this. How are these kids so infatuated with Babe Ruth? As a Yankees fan, I love it. But this is 1962. They're not following Ruth. He died 14 years before, you know, this their, their, this film was going on, supposedly. So they'd be watching Mantle, Musial, Maze. Plus, they lived sure. in, this takes place in SoCal. They'd be focused on the Dodgers, not having right. this grand adulation for Babe Ruth. I and mean, not the Yanks. That made zero sense to me. None. 
Yeah. It would be all like Sandy Koufax. And they talk about Maury Wills a little bit. He was the third yeah. base coach, but did you use a third base coach when he stole home? Did you catch that? Oh, Maury Wills was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, was. I didn't catch that. Okay. It said Wills, and I actually watched the credits to uh, see if it was, and it was Maury Wills. Oh, okay. You want to change the score now, Mike, based on that? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Eight. <laughs> Uh, I, I disagree with you, Mike. You roast the Malo. What hillbilly homeschooling parent told their kid to call it a Malo? No one in Jersey, Mike Price. That's for goddamn That's sure. That's for sure. Even South Jersey. <laughs> the special effects for the Beast are as bad as the special effects in the in Phantasm, Toxic Avenger, and Ghostbusters. These effects were, you know where the money went, and it all went in James Earl Jones' pocket. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not the special effects department. No. Wait, can I make a comment about the Beast? That, sure. When they're doing the reminiscing about, um, and he's telling the story about the, the history of the Beast, I, I, the, I got very disturbing. I was trying to figure out why that, that retelling was so disturbing. But then, and I realized it, there, it, it's almost like a metaphor for like, you ever see the, 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 the Nazi films where they're bringing the Jews into the ovens? Listen, stop talking. I, I don't want to know your Pornhub history right now, Don. I mean, this is not the time nor place. But that's what it looked like. It looked like those old Nazi films, <laughs> the trains pulling into Dachau. It was very dark. Oh, my. Dark. It was. It was. Are you one of the few guys who has an actual hard copy of the uh, of the, the clown movie Jerry Lewis did where he brought the kids in the concentration camp? <laughs> oh, my God, no. The Day the Clown Cried? That's I mean, it. No, that's legendary. But, no, I've never seen it. Wendy Peppercorn is Definitely giving Squints a long look and shaking her ass. She is leading him on. Foreshadowing. Only Daniel Vogelbach can make a splash that big and soak that many women in one shot. Not Pam Porter at 75 pounds. <laughs> Daniel Vogelbach can. Yes, I play to my audience. Okay. Let's do a little myth busters. Squints has been underwater for a grand total of no more than 20 seconds. And Wendy Peppercorn jumps right in to save him. And I guarantee this, if it was the black kid that jumped in, she would went for a bathroom break and smoke. (laughs) If they really wanted to make this funny, they would have the male lifeguard give him mouth to mouth instead of her. Because that was his whole plan. Okay. So if Squints and Wendy do get together, I forgot about this. So I, I forgot they got married in the end when they had the, you know, where are they now segment. If they do get together, imagine how their kids ask the mom, how did you, how did you and dad meet? Well, son, <laughs> your father tried to PG-13 Harvey Weinstein me and here you are. <laughs> Call me nostalgic, but man, there's something to be said about shutting down a block and setting off fireworks and having a good old-fashioned block party. That was fun to see that. Yeah, those are good. Why does it every time those kids hit the ball, you see a cloud of dust come off the ball? Did they? Did, the did they? Yeah. I don't know if he saw that in the title. <laughs> besides, besides Ham Porter, Benny, and Smalls, these secondary characters are complete bread sandwiches. I couldn't tell you anything about them, nor do I care. When I was pledging, we had to hold a dip in our mouth mouths without spitting. I'm proud to say I made it second to last before puking, but I ejaculated first, so I can't explain why. I wrote down Dennis Leary's character has the personality of a secret service agent. <laughs> now, 
Again, Mythbusters, this one. 60-pound Benny the Jet is going to knock the cover off of a brand-new baseball, but steroid-filled watermelon-headed Barry Bonds can't? That (laughs) doesn't happen. (laughs) I'm sure we can all agree on this one, fellas. They went to that same DEFCON level to get a baseball back, as we all did trying to score porno mags and VHS tapes. (laughs) Explain this. They also, they try to rig up these Rube Goldberg setups all to get a baseball that's mangled worse than Pamela Anderson's butthole. Now, I got Don James in the crack. I'm, I'm doing all right. This this whole scene, and I'll get into this even more in a minute, falls under my The Warriors argument because in The Warriors, we could have solved that film in five minutes or less. Ready? One word. One word, and they could have all been saved. Are you ready? What's that word? Taxi. Same thing. (laughs) They could have been in Coney Island in 95, saved 95 minutes and back to Coney Island. Now, in here, they could have, and I wrote all this down as it was going on. They could have just rang the goddamn doorbell and asked for the ball back. But no. Because they were afraid of like the dog, but not they didn't know anything about James Earl Jones, right? Bingo. No, exactly. No, they say in the movie, they say in the movie, no, oh, you can't bring he um Squin says, No, he's the meanest man. Oh, okay. All right. I'll take my chances as a gambling man. Uh which member of the Sandlot do you want to kiss the most, Don? My money's on Squints, and I think I'm right. Well, yeah, because that'd be the closest I could get to Wendy Peppercorn. <laughs> <laughs> And you both touched on this, Don. You gave a different analogy, and I'm going to give uh, an equally amusing one. The dog chasing Benny scene is akin to that fuckery that Tom Hanks chasing down Tawny Kittayan and the guy who kidnapped her through the movie theater in Bachelor Party. Yes. <laughs> both dragged on and on and on for no reason. Although Bachelor Party... Still quite amusing, although that last yeah, 20 in a prime. Oh, yeah. And the last 15 minutes. Ugh, cut that right out. The where are they now ending for the Sandlot kids is the laziest I've ever seen in the <laughs> where are they now segment. Animal House, Animal House is tongue in cheek. Stripes. We just actually taped that episode. Uh, it's actually out now. Excuse me. It's out this week. Stripes. That ending is lazy. This was one of the worst. One kid, one, and one of those kids created the mini mall. Get the fuck out of here. Really? <laughs> We're doing that. Oh, then he, so and so joined the army, was never seen again. A little more thought, please. Oh, he did, I think he said he just became like a 60s guy and never was never seen again or something. Did he? That's the the tall kid with the glasses. Bertram, right? Bertram. Yeah, right. Bertram. You, you should. He became a NASA engineer. I could, I could stomach that. I could stomach that. Because he can't. He can't turn a double play. He can't turn a four six three with the same grace that Roberto Alomar could. So he's going to wash out for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you got you have you know you have the alliteration there, the two M's. Yeah, that's funny. Come that's, on, we're working on it. You have credulity about that. <laughs> <laughs> as a, as three baseball fans, I'm also surprised you to write this down. So they pinch run a man on third 
base. <laughs> you never, ever, ever see someone getting pitch run for on third base. Not even if they guy they pinch run the third guy on third base with Ricky Henderson in nineteen eighty two. No one does that. But let's just yeah. play a little silly game called pretend. If they brought a guy in who's no Davy Lopes or Ricky Henderson for Christ's sakes, you would throw over the third base five consecutive times because you know he's brought in for one thing only, and that's trying to steal home. Which yeah. by the way, there have been only home wait, home has been stolen four hundred and fifty nine times out of the last Three thirty-seven thousand four hundred seventeen attempts mm. this decade. Right. That's what that's with Google. Plus, plus, if Benny is such a big successful uh, major league baseball player, why isn't he starting? Yeah, why is he brought in? Yeah, the pinch run. Was it his day off, and that's what yeah, he had really. to do? Come in the ninth. Plus, when did that scene take place? Is that supposed to take place now? In which case, Benny would be like forty-two years old, or is it <laughs> yeah. supposed to be like in the seventies or something? Or I, I don't know. Listen, he he's I don't know what his Hispanic, Hispanic race he is. So those guys lying their birth certificates. He could be 57 for all we know. Right. That's true. <laughs> the third act of this movie really drags. I'm fine with the first half. Kids doing kid shit, pl- kids playing baseball, you know, campouts, fireworks, you know, getting throwing up, doing kid. I'm all about that. But then the fuckery of the getting the Babe Ruth ball. That just takes it down so many notches for me. Do you care about yeah. the beast? Really? No. Again, all Smalls had to do is go to Karen Allen, that robot. Mom, can I have 99 cents for a new baseball? That's all. I'm sure she'd give it to him. Well, I mean, they tried to, they pawned it off, right? They had like the fake Babe Ruth signature. Yeah. I guess. It's, but that's the problem, too, is that like Dennis Leary is just seen as being kind of like a, I don't like a stiff. Like one thing, if he was like the dad, like, uh, uh, what's the one Robert De Niro in this boy's life where he's like fucking like I will beat the shit out of you dad right. yeah. that would have been a little better he's just right. like it seems like this dad would be vaguely disappointed yeah he takes a long drag of Marlboro Red and goes go out and pick your switch boy <laughs> <laughs> and they go to these home alone contraption extents to get which take how long to rig up Again, run to the front door. Inst- if you're a bunch of you, they, he, he can't chase you all down if he's that such of a mean guy and chase you down. Ring the doorbell. But they take all these contraptions, which take so long to rig up, and all these contraptions just fall short. You're like, just stop. So well, I, I thought one that, thing they don't do – oh, sorry, Don. No, I guess I was just going to say, like, because he was branded uh, – Scotty Smalls was branded the egghead at the beginning, and remember he had the thing where the marble go down, went down and all that. Right. So I thought the way to do that at the end is that's how they get the ball. The egghead finally comes through, and not only does he become a baseball player, but he yeah. saves the day because he's an egghead. But So I would have liked to have seen that sort of work more than drag it out longer than that. Right. Plus, I was, like, expecting, like, yeah, whose movie is it? Because it's like, is it Smalls or Benny? Because I was like, I was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? The big thing is that Benny was a good runner. Like, what did Smalls do? Nothing, you know. So like, I thought it was going to be ended with like Smalls doing something great. And the but real no. com- and the real waste, I think, could have been, yeah, yeah. There's no real comedy. There's no well, Ham Porter's good too, but yeah, yeah, I got nothing. I thought he'd be that one guy, that little yippy kid, kind of like Tanner from Bad News Bears, yeah. to get some real uh, some time to, to, to some comedy chops here. And the and the one we, thing they could have done if they really thought about it, what everybody does when there's a vicious dog, get a steak. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sprinkle a whole bunch of Salmonex on it, throw it over the fence. Hot sauce. Knock, yeah. knock the uh, Salmonex. Knock the uh, knock the dog out. 
and then go grab the ball. You didn't like Squin's comedic chops with his glasses every time yeah. they cut to him? Yeah. <laughs> that kid never wore glasses in his life. Don with the Don with the Jim Garrison glasses he's showing on camera. I love it. Back and to the left. I have no plans on rewatching this film in the near future. Maybe, maybe if my when my daughter gets a little older. This is easily toward the at the best the middle of baseball films. I think Little Big League is so underrated as a kids baseball film. Absolutely. Bad News Bears one without question. Little Big League number two. Shit, put the rookie in there. I think that's a a, a great tale for the kid for baseball films. Rookie of the year, right? That's what the I didn't kid... like that. Yeah, I didn't like. Oh, that that's one. where the kid has the super arm, right? Pitcher's got a big butt. <laughs> Hey, Rowan Garten, that one's. But the best baseball, the best baseball film of all time is Major League. I will not hear, sit here and listen, and listen to any other answers. This film fails the remote test for me. I chuckled, chuckled at two scenes exactly, and we all know the one again with the quotes. Only two of them. People, people think this is such a classic film. Why are there only at best two or three quotes? We all said it before. If it's a classic film, you're gonna have a ton of lines. This film does not. I hated how lazy that ending one ending was and dragged down the whole tying of the loose ends. That really took the piss out of it for me. And Mike, you made a fantastic point about James Earl Jones not being able to play with the Negro League stuff. In fact, we just did Field of Dreams last week. Uh-huh. Um, and the whole point and, and, and our guest was um was um um oh God, Welch was his last name. I'm blanking on it. His whole point was why let the Black Sox come out and do that when they cheated? Have the Negro Leagues guy come out because who else deserved a chance to go and get redemption? So I agree they, with you very had, much. They had to come out of a whole different cornfield because it was still segregated. <laughs> yeah. two, two entrances. <laughs> That's right. I listen, I liked it when it came out. I mean, I was 16 when it came out, and I, I liked it. I own it. I haven't watched it in a while. Again, I saw it in the plane on the way to Miami. I was like, eh. I watch it again. Nah. Four and a half out of ten. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not digging this. So all right. Well, I just I'm just going to but I'm going to hold Mike. Mike said the the writer director was born in 62. So there's no way he could possibly identify with another time period. So I'm going to be watching The Simpsons, Mike. All right. (laughs) I don't want to see any of your writing about anything before you were born. I only want (laughs) writing scenes about things that after you were born. All right. all those, all those Simpsons episodes with their cavemen or kings and queens toss That's those right. shits in the, in the trash. Fair enough, fair enough. Critics, five-star reviews. That's what The Sandlot repeatedly does, confound your expectations. It's a charming and hilarious flick for, for kids, boys in particular will eat it up, that feels remarkably, fre- remarkably fresh, even during its occasional foray into cliché land, which I think it resides firmly in cliché land. Utilizes effective editing, appropriate uh, juvenile dialogue, and laugh-out-loud humor while capturing adolescent adventure with a genuine sense of innocence and nostalgia. After a Porky's-style segment dealing with puppy lust, the film then segues to its better second half. Did I miss the scene where those guys are crowding around a shower trying to peep through and see a butchy gym teacher? (laughs) It throws the proverbial curveball at convention, relying on instead baseball's ultimate companion, nostalgia, to pluck its emotional and memorable strings. Now, reading that review makes me think this reviewer sure as shit doesn't know how to throw a baseball. Well, I will agree. The pork, if the pork, if it had a little more porkies in it, I, you know, if, if Wendy Peppercorn's bathing suit like snapped off, yeah. then I, then I would have given it a solid eight. 
And then she starts making out with him. She starts howling like a dog. <laughs> He's trying to pull his pecker through the hole. In the yeah. What was that woman's name? This is Brick, Bricker Balls? Something like that, yeah. Another. Yeah. yeah. Uh, critics, one-star reviews. Here's another 90s movie that was beloved by boys, yet it probably won't hold the same charge for viewers not privy to that nostalgic vibe. In this, yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, in the Sandlot's nostalgia for simpler times, a single sex world seems to be a key component. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. maybe you blowhard dildo if you realize it was about a bunch of pre-adolescent boys who just want to play <laughs> baseball, because I sure as hell didn't have many girlfriends at that age. You boys do too either, I bet. And if this guy wasn't a slave to the Bechdel test, he can go out and enjoy life without a fucking checklist. That bingo. When I watch this movie, I'm like, make America great again. <laughs> kids are out playing baseball in the street. They're not on Twitch. They're not getting groomed by pedophile teachers. They're not being taught CRT. You know, they're not in the middle of a gender transition. It's just fun out playing baseball. It's all American, baby. God bless America. What an agenda in the gosh. God bless segregated America. Yeah. Yeah, they had a Hispanic kid and a black kid on there. Oh, all right, okay, yeah, yeah. The, yeah that's okay. two out of nine. I mean, well, that's true. All in right. today, in today's and baseball, yeah, and James Jones. <laughs> yeah, it'd be in, if they rebooted it now, it'd be six Dominican kids, two white guys, and a black guy. Uh, the kids have their own treehouse, which means that the production designer is the only person connected with this project who actually went out on a limb. <laughs> Ready. Oh. One, two, three. Hey, oh, hey, Now, don't you think the treehouse has a pretty good view into the yard? Wouldn't right. they see that the dog is just a sweet dog and is a nice blind man who takes care of it? Zane. I guess not. Oh, well. That guy is coming to a check spot near you. <laughs> For every field of dreams, there are a dozen lesser, completely incomprehensible baseball movies. This is one of them. I won't go that far, but... Any of Charles Schultz's baseball-oriented peanut strips contains more understanding of baseball and more insight into children, as well as more pointed fun. That's not true. I don't. I agree. I've laughed more while missing my flight than a Peanuts cartoon, fellas. I (laughs) do not find that cartoon fun nor funny. (laughs) Give me Garfield or Calvin and Hobbes or the far side, please. Amazon five-star reviews. I made my wife watch this even though she doesn't like baseball because she needed to understand why I often say, you're killing me, Smalls. Now she understands. Also, she loved the movie, and she also learned who the great Bambino is. So rent this movie and educate your friends and family in an enjoyable way. Now, wait till he makes her watch JFK and Argo to teach her history. <laughs> he just made her watch that so he could show her what a wife that doesn't bear her husband. <laughs> That's right. See, see how she does? See? Yeah, see how she's not mouthy? <laughs> My husband recently rented this movie from Amazon to stream during a quote Friday night movie night and I couldn't stop laughing at his ability to quote pretty much every moment in the movie. It's one of his favorites for sure and is perfect for any sports baseball loving movie. Family, excuse me. All three of my kids loved it. My girls are five and seven. My son is four. But be aware, there are some bad words scattered throughout the movie. 
They, they better not watch the deleted scenes then when Wendy Peppercorn writes in her diary that she's a Nazi sympathizer, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Sandlot story is extremely... I still do her. <laughs> they can overlook stuff like that. But can you, by the way, can you trust another man who quotes like every line of Sandlot like he can of Caddyshack or Major League or Naked Gun? I don't know. I can't. I'm sorry. No. The Sandlot story is lighthearted and extremely funny. My only complaint is the language, specifically, specifically the use of the SH word. My five-year-old and seven-year-old boys love this movie, but I cringed and try and mute the two or three times the boys dropped the SH bomb. Of course, I realize, much like the characters in the movie, such language is unfortunately prevalent among young kids. Still, as a parent, it causes me pause whenever they beg, Sandlot, Dad, let's watch Sandlot. Ironically, I bet this dad orders the shit bomb Danny Thomas special at his local S&M club. <laughs> How you know that, we'll leave that alone. Yeah. I listen, I, I'm, I read. Now, they talk about on Howard's, on Carol's podcast, real funny story. Pam Adlon was talking to Carol about how she met Danny Thomas's daughter. And the first thing she blurred, she goes, what's it with your dad and those coffee tables? <laughs> But that story is pretty funny. That's how I learned it, Smarty Pants. If if you can technologically, if you can get your technologically controlled kids slash grandkids to sit in an hour and watch it without interruption, they will probably like it a lot. It's a great movie teaching kids that there is more out there than an iPad or an iPhone. Baseball and growing up with neighboring kids and playing outdoors is actually fun. Signed, Tim Cook. <laughs> Amazon one-star reviews. Turned it off due to content. Sad. It's so hard to find a good, clean movie for kids. Signed, Seymour Butts. <laughs> Probably okay for a kid, but of anyone over 10 years of age, super slow. And unbelievable slash not historically correct by any means. Not good plot. By the way, you were born after Seymour Butts was popular, yeah. so you're not allowed to remark on that. <laughs> Good callback. <laughs> this movie was recommended to me, but I was disappointed. Any uplifting message gets lost in a pointless plot. The movie is, mo is mostly a bunch of kids using foul language and uh, foul and vulgar language. I would not let my children watch it. Why is it so hard to make a decent movie? Signed, Don Jameson's mom. <laughs> Very hurtful, Mom. This last one I thought was, uh, was a real humdinger. I rented this movie because I enjoy the purity and innocence that come with children's movies. I expected this movie to be somewhat like The Little Rascals, where young boys struggle with their differences and come up with a simple, simple answer way to do sooner than adults do. God, the grammar's terrible. However, this movie contained a lot of profanity as well as lewdness that is not appropriate for a kid's movie. It's especially inappropriate because there are only 10-year-old boys, fifth grade, behaving this way. I haven't heard anyone reference The Little Rascals in 30 years when they brought that piece of shit reboot out in the theater in the 90s but sure guys right fifth five fifth kids in the fifth grade boys they're not watching tiktok videos on how to properly put a condom on are they no of course not can you imagine if we had tiktok guys if we had instead of having to learn about all like putting on a condom or shit like that i learned how to put on a condom because to the guy in that locker next to me had the, the condom box torn apart and the instructions taped with inside of his locker like he's gonna go there before he gets laid to go oh hold on i gotta go to school and find out how to put this thing on for the first time 
<laughs> what a silly goose. Don Jameson, did Mike Price gut the sacred cow? Well, I, I got it. This is probably not. This is probably against all the um, the rules and bylaws of gutting the sacred cow. But I, I think I overshot on, on a seven. Uh, if I if I if I if I may, I'd like to put it down to a six and a half. Oh, <laughs> that 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 screams volume to me because I actually wrote down five and my uh, Mark's Mark. What the fuck am I saying? Mike's argument about the uh, the Negro Leagues was such a major point for me. I knocked it down of a five to a four and a half. So if two of right. us are dropping our score, that is without fail. A gutting in our book. So congratulations, Mike so. Price. Well done, Thank you. sir. Well done. Thank where, you. Where can the fine folks find you, Mike? What are you up to now? Oh, I'm just uh, working on The Simpsons. Getting ready to come out with season 34 in September or October. Wow. Uh, incredible. They're still going strong and uh, very happy there. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mike Price in L.A. Love having you on, man. Can't appreciate it enough for uh, always jumping on. Don Jameson, buddy, what's going on with you? Where can we find you and what are you up to? Well, I'm going to have a new record out September 16th. Myself and Jim Florentine, number seven in the series of terrorizing telemarketers, prank calls, all incoming calls. We torture telemarketers. So it's terrorizing telemarketers, volume seven. Pre-order it now in all your favorite places. That's what we've been doing, making we're middle-aged guys who make prank calls for a living. God bless America. Uh, all the links in my social media, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Twitter is Real Don Jameson, Facebook and Instagram, Don Jameson Official. And Don was doing this with Jim long before Crank Anchors, so don't come at him with that bullshit. That's right. <laughs> KevinGoatee.com for dates and other shenanigans. Tom Fullery, enjoy fantasy football jibber-jabber, where we give fantasy football advice and any NFL betting advice in the metaverse in the Joke Community Comedy Club. Check that out. And, of course, GuttingTheSacredCow.com. And tell your friends we can't thank you enough for giving us an hour and change of your time every week. Please leave us at five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. That's right, Don. Five stars, just like Johnny Five from Short Circuit. What a, what a cad he was. <laughs> Kevin Goatee, Don Jameson, and Mike Price. Thanks again, fellas. Always a joy. What a triumvirate of hilarity we had tonight. <laughs> and we will see you, you next time.